whether you realize it or not, if you are in business or even if you're not in business, you are always pitching to people, whether that is selling an idea, uh, selling yourself for a new job offer, selling your product or service so people engage with your business, or just selling the next best film people should watch on Netflix. So we are always pitching whether we realize it or not. And so it's understanding that you may have a great product or a great service, but that is meaningless if you're not able to communicate it in a way that gets people's attention. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Weddings podcast. If this is the first time you're listening, then I'm Mira and I'm your host for this series. I'm very grateful to Nauta Bao for giving me this opportunity. And if you're wondering what my relationship is with the wedding industry, then I can honestly say it's a pretty happy, long-term and fulfilling one. I'm a wedding planner, bridal coach, author and the founder of Carriages, Weddings and Events, working predominantly with Indian and interfaith couples. Now, I always say this episode is going to be a really great one, and I know it sounds super cliche, but we have got something special in store for you once again. Today's episode is all about the secrets of successful sales. So whether you're new to the industry or someone who's been working here for a couple of decades, I can guarantee that at the end of this episode, you are going to walk away having learnt something incredible or you're going to feel excited and energised about your next move. The fact is, we work in this awesome industry and the only way we can keep on working here is if we continue to book more clients year after year and basically get more sales. So you're about to hear from three absolute powerhouse personalities, individuals who are owning their space. First of all, you'll hear from Simon Alexander Ong, who is a life coach and business strategist. I've been following his work for a while and he is truly inspirational. My second two guests are people who I have personally worked with. We have Emily Braithwaite, one of the directors of Yellow Tuxedo, who brand themselves as digital visibility specialists and also run the digital circus. And my final guest is Faye Cornhill, who is a business coach working specifically with those in the wedding industry, and she also runs the Wedding Business Club. When we talk about the idea of selling, it can often cause panic, anxiety, and a general all-round uncomfortable feeling for a lot of suppliers, including myself. As a self-help junkie, I've read lots of books and heard from lots of speakers in my time who talk about a particular formula that you can use here or there to secure those sales. But actually, what you're going to learn about today is the idea of authentic selling, which means staying true to who you are, but still converting those inquiries. And that's because we're going to start by understanding the idea of building a personal brand. Because let's be honest, when it comes to industries, weddings are about as personal as things get. After all, no bride or groom wants to spend the day with someone they don't know or someone they don't get on with. Personal brands, I think today is one of the most important things we should put our attention to creating. Because whether you realise it or not, we all have a personal brand. 
social media means that we all have the ability to shape for better or worse what our personal brand is. I mean, if you look at Twitter and you look at Tim Cook's followers versus the followers for Apple, you look at Richard Branson's followers versus the followers for Virgin Group, and you'll notice that the individual has far more followers than the actual company. And that is because people want a human face that they can interact with, that they can follow, that they have feelings about whether this person is a great leader or not, whether this person is inspiring. We all have the power to build a personal brand. And here's why it's important, because once you have a brand, it transcends what you do. Let's take Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, he started off as a wrestler. Would you still see him as a wrestler today? Probably not. Uh, He wrestles, he produces, he directs, he acts. He's become a brand in himself. Now, the way the brand will help you is in this idea that I first came across from Robert Cialdini, and that is the idea of persuasion. If you are engaging with your customers before you have even had that first phone call and they can look at what you do on your LinkedIn, on your Instagram, on your YouTube, on your Twitter, they can see the value you provide, they read your testimonials, they see you featured in magazines. Imagine how they're going to feel before they've even had that first conversation with you. They're going to get on that call so excited, pre-sold, that they already want to work with you. And that's the power of brand. As Simon has just pointed out, the power of a good personal brand is very, very significant. But we have to remember that while having a good brand is key, we need to actually keep talking about it. There's only real power in a brand if people know that it exists in the first place and if people can associate with it in a positive way. Emily actually goes on to shed some further light on this your brand, not just creating a brand, and yes, it's important, but it's understanding how that applies in the real world. If you are on social media, if you're on Facebook or you're on Instagram or YouTube, if you're dabbling into the video content marketing there, everyone understands as soon as they hit your business there, they understand that they're with Yellow Tuxedo or with Carriages or with whoever they're going to be, they understand where they're at. Make that customer journey across all of your platforms seamless. They feel comfortable. They know your brand is on point every single touch point. It doesn't matter what part of your ecosystem they enter into. They feel comfortable. They know where they are. They understand what you're about. And they're seeing your face. They're seeing what you are about. And you are delivering that in a clear way that makes them know, like, and trust you so much quicker. Let's remember that up until this point, we are already doing a lot of work before the customer has even slid into our inbox or our DMs on socials. But it's important to understand the idea of pre-selling or persuasion, as Simon put, because it's an integral part of the customer journey. Once they've recognized your brand and come through to you, that's where the next phase of the selling process comes in, which is all about making a conscious effort to build a relationship. Whenever you are meeting clients or prospects, Keep this in mind. We have tools available to us that previous generations never had. So if you are going to meet a client to discuss, uh, you know, the, the reason they sent you an email to have a discussion, look them up on social media. Look at their Facebook. Look at their Instagram. Look at their LinkedIn. Get to know them ahead of time. Because what that gives you is an insight into perhaps a topic that you can connect better with them on. You know, for example, if I was to 
if I was to meet with a client who I look on social media and I see this person is a supporter of Manchester United, now I know that at one point in my conversation, I'm going to subtly link or bring in uh, a conversation around Manchester United. And suddenly there's a click. Oh, Simon also supports Manchester United. And now there's a greater degree of connection from an emotional perspective. So look at these clues that are all in front of us and use them to your advantage. I mean, they're there for a reason. You know, social media is meant to be social. Use that data to get more connected to your clients so they feel, yes, this is the person I want to work with. Instagram's a great example. I think I've explored this with you before, Mira. It's the fact that there's a little thing called a DM <laughs> and we have opportunity to talk to people and we forget that actually talking to people, being social on social media, that's a massive takeaway a lot of our clients have found. They forget it's a two-way street. So if someone's asking you a question, reply to them. If you need to give a bit more elaboration, send a voice message and, and say, hi, it's Emily here from Yellow Tuxedo right now. I saw you ask this question. I would love to explore a bit more of you and invite that conversation. I think we just forget. We put so much out there and it's always very sales-driven or very I've got I need to get this because I need to get this amount of engagement because I have my goal in mind we forget that actually the people paying us the money they need to build a relationship with you so the, the quicker you can build that relationship from the very early set or early onset the, the easier it will be for you to make that conversion later on at this point I'd really like to bring Faye into the conversation who also just happens to really echo this sentiment rapport is huge you don't hear many gurus talking about it Rapport is huge. Um, energy exchange is just as important as a, a, a monetary exchange when, when someone's booking you. And I think people underestimate the power of that. If I look at the beginning of a consultation, a relationship, whatever it might be, the most important thing for me is to build rapport with that person. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, oh, the weather's difficult today or isn't it nice to see the sun I don't mean that sort of rapport I think that's really important but I don't mean that I mean genuine interest in that person their wedding their lives their family whatever that might look like showing genuine interest because at the end of the day business is people to people we buy it from people we like we know we trust how can you build in those elements to everything that you do so they don't want to go elsewhere? By this point, we've established the importance of building rapport and a good relationship with potential clients. But I think we need to dive in a little deeper into this section right here. Why actually do we want our clients to feel a connection to us? You see, when they feel connected... They also feel comfortable in sharing more details and it's when they share these details that we can really understand and express exactly how we can help them and what we can do for them. Let's take a listen and see what Simon and Faye have to say about this. So let's assume you've got that inquiry, you've got a conversation set up or meeting set up. Now, how can you serve that customer so well that they will never forget that experience, that in that brief time you had that conversation together, they were like, wow, I've never felt as deeply listened to as an, and understood as I did when I was on the phone with Simon. Uh, and that comes to understanding the client's needs. You know, if you go in and start pitching your standard product, I guarantee it's going to be challenging because your standard product might not be what everyone needs. Everyone has different challenges. Everyone has different requirements. So whenever I go about having these calls, and it's an important suggestion for you, 
is spend the majority of the beginning of this meeting listening and getting to know your client. What is it that you're looking to achieve? What challenges have you faced so far? Build a picture of your client's world because this is the equivalent of what Google does or Facebook does with your data. You are data gathering uh, in sort of human form. So you're getting all this data, you know, what's their family like, what work they do, what are the challenges, uh, what sort of uh, wedding are they looking to have, what is important to them, what is not so important to them. And that becomes data that you can use later in the conversation. You have to be brave. You have to ask. <laughs> I know that sounds like really obvious, but if I go back to, and, and you know, this is me speaking from, from having a, a, a background in, in corporate sales. When I imagine myself back at day one, at that inquiry stage with, with clients, I would do everything to be of service. I would answer every question. I would be polite. I'd be interested. And at the end of that consultation or that conversation, I would walk away without asking any questions at the end. Like I wouldn't ask, do you want to book me? And in fact, I still don't use that terminology, but you know, a version of that question. Um, I wouldn't check in like, are are there any concerns you have about booking me as your supplier? And when you put yourself in the shoes of a consumer and you're going to invest in something, um, I, in fact, I wrote about this in my book, um, the, the time when I went to buy a car and I had two wildly different experiences. And, you know, one showroom was happy for me just to walk out with my leaflet to think about whether I would like to buy that car. The other showroom, they wanted to know, have we answered all of your questions? Are we leaving anything to chance? They had understood what my buying criteria was and they wanted to know, have we fulfilled, you know, the purpose of you coming to this showroom to see the car? It's no different than with a car with a wedding couple. Everyone buys in a different way. There's so much choice in the wedding industry, but no couple will be the same as the next. Their, their unique combination of why they will choose suppliers will be different to everybody else. And if you haven't uncovered that, how on earth can you sell your proposition to them? And when that time comes to convert, you can say, now, if I understood it correctly, you want a beautiful wedding that is in a very intimate surroundings. The challenges you're facing at the moment is X, Y, Z. Now, the way we work is we actually take away X, Y, Z to give you greater time to focus on the more fun elements. How would that sound to you? Now, here's the beauty. Of course, they're going to think yes, because you've just taken the data of understanding their world and what's important, relayed it back to them, but in the context of what you can deliver. And then we move into what I call, and again, this is another big topic, but we move into what I call permission-based marketing. You are always allowing the customer to lead the conversation without them knowing because the most powerful point in any conversion is when the client feels they've sold themselves to themselves. They've sold themselves by saying, I need this. I can't not have this. All you're doing is you're touching base using permission-based marketing questions such as, would you be interested to learn more about how we would start to get rid of XYZ so you can have the most beautiful wedding you're imagining? Would you be interested to learn more about how that would look like over the next 90 days? Would you be interested to know some of the case studies of those we've successfully worked with? So you're not 
instructing them or you're not ordering them to do certain things. You're touching base and you're letting them decide. But again, if you've done the first part well and you've listened, you've understood, you know their world, I'll tell you what, it makes the next part of the conversation a hell of a lot easier. Just touching base with what we've heard so far. And honestly, when the client thinks, I need this and I can't not have this, that's when you've struck gold. Because the hardest part of your job is done for you. And our experts have shown you how to get to this exact point. We've discovered the importance of having a personal brand, looked at what to do with that personal brand and how to use it effectively to get those inquiries coming to us. We've also discovered how to engage with clients once they reach out to us. But what we've been focusing on so far are actionable tips and techniques to secure those sales. I'll admit I've been a little sneaky and actually saved the best to last because my next section is all about where successful sales really begin. You'll want to keep listening because from personal experience, I can tell you that once you nail this, you will feel lighter, happier and in such great energetic flow that you'll feel like you're attracting your dream clients without really having to try hard at all. Sounds like a dream, right? Well, you're almost there. The one thing that you can, we can all control is the time that we invest in looking after ourselves. Most of the time, it's our name above the door. You know, even if we're working as part of a small team or even a big team, um, it's us. It's our reputation. It's people book you for you in the wedding industry. And if we're not looking after ourselves, that has a huge ripple effect across everything. And it's often that uh, that mindset that will prevent us from being visible. It will prevent us from investing in ourselves and our business in the way that we know we need to, to be able to grow. I know you speak a lot about mindset. Everybody wants more clients. They ultimately just want to make more money or make a living. They're not greedy. They just want to survive. Um, So do you think mindset is a big part of that? I think it's a huge part of it. I think it's probably 90% of it. And if you don't believe that you're worth it, or you don't believe you are good enough, or you are telling yourself, they're not going to book me, they're not going to book me. Unfortunately, that is what nine times out of 10 will unfold. I told you it would be worth it. The real secret here is mindset and someone who has had to work incredibly hard on their mindset to be where they are today is in fact our first guest. Simon goes on to describe his approach in such a way that makes success feel so readily attainable if we simply put our mind to it. The first shift that had to happen was how I saw myself. You know, at the time I was an employee, uh, I was looking to start my own business. I was looking to go out there and create a life for myself and be the master of my destiny, if you will. But in order for that to happen, I had to begin seeing myself as that individual. Uh, You know, we talk about habits and what are sort of uh, the rituals and standards that we can embrace uh, to build a successful business, but it all begins with identity. How do you see yourself? You know, for example, if you see yourself as an athlete, if you really see yourself as an athlete, then your choices are made. <laughs> you know, you go to a supermarket, you don't have to decide, am I going to buy junk food or am I going to buy something that's healthy? The choice is made because you know your identity. And so that's one of the things I had to overcome first is did I see myself as an aspiring entrepreneur or did I see myself as a coach, as a speaker, as a CEO of my life. Because the moment you know what your identity is, 
and you really believe it. Now, belief is quite fluffy, you know, we can all believe more. But what I started doing is I wrote down statements that helped me to cement and reprogram my subconscious to believe this to be true, to literally, this is now my identity. And think about it for a moment. Your beliefs, most of your beliefs are made up. They're either inherited by parents, society, friends, colleagues. And so at any given moment, you have the ability to choose a more empowering belief and to let go of a belief that no longer serves you. So I wrote down, it was about 15 statements, and it was ways to reprogram my mind. So it was simply things like, of course I can start a business uh, because I have access to all the resources available. Of course I can start a business because... Uh, I'm really good at getting to know more people and I'm good at building relationships. Of course, I can start a new business because I've got a passion and an interest for this. So I wrote these 15 statements down driven by resources, motivation and reasons that I could make it happen to instill in my mind the belief that this was possible. Blended that with a compelling and a magnetic vision, a vision that would effortlessly pull me forward, had this sort of magnetic nature about it that I didn't have to push myself, but I was effortlessly pulled forward. So that was the first thing that had to shift in my mind was the way I saw myself and the way I spoke to myself. Because whether you realize it or not, you are going to be the person that you are going to speak to the most in your lifetime. That internal chatter is the most important dialogue you are going to have. So you have to be careful with how you treat yourself. I believe it was Darwin that said, it is not the strongest or most intelligent that survived, but it's the most adaptable. Now, it's your ability to realize that there will be events, there will be setbacks, there will be challenges, there will be failure. That's part of the game, right? That's what we sign up for. But that is nowhere near as important as how you interpret those events and how you choose to respond to them. Because in your response lies your greatest power. That is the one thing you can control. Adopt a white belt mentality. Remain an eternal student. You know, there's a great Zen saying that says the difference between a master and a student is the fact that the student is so fixated on being a master to own those titles and statuses. But the master has cultivated the art of remaining an eternal student. By opening your mind to different perspectives, to different inputs, to different stimuli, that increases the likelihood that when setbacks happen, you have the resources required to adapt, to succeed regardless of what happens outside. Wow, that was pretty powerful stuff and really sums up my own feelings about this episode. You know, the whole thought process behind this episode was to empower you to feel good and excited about the sales process. As a supplier who struggled at the start of her own journey, I know firsthand the difference a powerful brand can make. And like I've said, I have actually worked with two out of three guests personally to help me grow my business and get me to where I am today, which is why I know that this stuff really works. If I didn't believe in it, I would not be sharing it with you. And just to be clear, this is not about working with as many clients as possible or manipulating anyone into signing up to your services. It's all about authentic selling, which I mentioned right at the start, which ensures that as a supplier, you are attracting those clients who are a perfect match for you, which incidentally is one of the things now to vow take great pride in doing. I genuinely hope that you have enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I have enjoyed bringing it to you in association with Now to Vow. I hope you've been able to take away some sort of positive learning and that it just helps make the sales process 
feel a bit more manageable. It's a huge privilege to work in the wedding industry. Um, I didn't set out my life to end up here. I did. If I went back to you know, fifteen-year-old Faye, I wouldn't have expected to work in the wedding industry. But I'm so glad it found me. I'm so glad I found it. Um, and you know, patience and consistency will help you establish an amazing business in this in this industry. So, stay with it, guys. This episode was brought to you by Now to Vow. We make it easy for couples to find and book suppliers for their Indian wedding. If you're in the industry, you can list your service on our platform at no cost. Head over to nowtovow.co.uk to get started. The Business of Weddings is a monthly podcast. We preview the episodes on Instagram Live on the third Friday of every month. Follow us at now underscore to underscore vow and join the discussion. Subscribe to this podcast to get the latest episodes before anyone else. And if you've enjoyed listening to it, please leave us a review so we can reach more people. See you next month.